Hello, friends. <laughs> How you doing? How's everyone feeling? The leaves are changing. It's getting a little cold, a little frosty in the morning. Some people are excited about it. Some aren't excited about it. How do you feel about it? Think about it. Anyway, I'm your host at Mr. Adamax. This is the Pursuit Podcast, and it's a production of the Audubon's Collective. This week's kind of exciting. Uh, it's changing. I spoke about it for a second before, but it's changing. It's really changing. Snow has flown this week and some higher elevation. People skied this week out west. People skied this week on the east coast. I'm going to make a prediction. I think today's date is 10:20. A week from today, Killington will be open. That is my hot take. I have no intel. Um, I think they'll be open Wednesday. I really do. I think they will be open a week from today, which is Wednesday, what, the 27th? That's my take. I think Sunday River will make an announcement that they'll be open Friday, which will force Killington to open early. So I don't know. If that excites you, that's cool. I'm indifferent. I'm really having fun on the mountain bikes. And I'm really enjoying this, like, fall season that I usually don't enjoy. So that's been rad. But as soon as the snow falls, I'll be, I'll be amped on it. Speaking of mountain bikes, I have to give a huge thank you to my sponsor, Revel Bikes. Please go to revelbikes.com, check out their bikes, full carbon frames. They make carbon wheel sets. They use CBF suspension, which is the most advanced suspension from what I gather on the planet. And my bike is shipped, and I'm really excited about it. I got a Revel Rascal. I can't wait. It is getting sent to my second sponsor, Colorado Ski Shop. And where I want you guys to head is coloradoskioutlet.com. That's coloradoskioutlet.com. You can get 10% off your purchase using the code THEPURSUIT. All capitals, THEPURSUIT. I will put the promo code at the bottom of, you know, in the link, link below. Uh, so revelbikes.com. ColoradoSkiOutlet.com, full new website. Uh, I got my bike sent there. I bought all my bike parts from their shop, and they are going to build my bike very quick so I can enjoy the rest of this season here. Use code the Pursuit for ten percent off your purchase on ColoradoSkiOutlet.com. Now to the fun part. My guest this week. Outside Brendan, if you don't follow him on Twitter or TikTok or Instagram, I don't even know if he's on Twitter, but if you don't follow him on social channels, go follow Outside Brendan. He is the king of completely useless inventions, but all in the best ways. He made, he just made a winch for a bicycle and it's hilarious because he took heat for it and people can't understand satire. He made a crop top, which is my personal favorite. So it's a shirt with a thousand pockets, and then you can grow crops on it so that you can eat while on the trail. Uh, shish kebab or skewer. Oh, man. Handlebar. I, you got to check them out. Outside Brendan. I'm going to keep this as short as I, as I possibly can. I've already gone over. Huge thanks to Revel Bikes, Colorado Ski Outlet.com. And here's the episode, Outside Brendan. Tell everybody kind of who you are, what you do, what made you Instagram relevant, and <laughs> we'll just go from there. Uh, 
Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I don't know uh, if relevant is the word for it, but uh, yeah, I'm um, I'm an engineer and a mountain biker, and um, I just uh, you know been in the kind of involved with the bike industry for many years, from like being a mechanic to racing, and um, yeah, I just always had kind of like silly ideas for for bike products or just outdoor products in general. And um, I a couple of years ago, I got into uh, you know more, doing more product design, three D printing, prototyping, and I said I got to make some bring some of these like silly product ideas to life and like make some videos out of them. And, uh, yeah, they I started doing it about six months ago and they sort of took off and it's been a lot of fun. Um, you're, you're an engineer by trade. Like that's what you do for a living. Do you do, excuse me for not knowing, but I don't think you work in the bike industry, correct? Uh, no, not, not anymore. No, no. I, um, I do mostly actually at, at the moment I do mostly, I guess you'd call it, interior design kind of stuff i do a lot of um custom uh custom furniture actually and metal fabrication and interior and uh, interior design for folks so are you freelance or do you work for a company yeah at the moment i'm i'm all freelance yeah oh that's yeah. amazing i didn't know that i your linkedin says you're a vp of operations Oh, oh, I should, I haven't updated LinkedIn in a long time. Um, I thought yeah, I had a I, corporate schmuck over here. I'm wrong. That was no. my, uh, that was my title at, um, go aviation. And when go aviation, was also not very corporate. We were a small, maybe five or six person company that ran charter flights from, um, Saranac Lake, uh, New York to Toronto, New York, Boston. Um, they're, they're still going great, great company doing great, but I've, I've moved on, gone to Toronto with my wife. And, uh, yeah. Did you study? So you're a mechanical engineer, presumably mechanical engineer. Yeah. Did you study that? Where did you study it? Yeah, I did my, uh, undergrad mechanical engineering at, uh, Clarkson university, Potsdam. And then I did my master's in biology, uh, kind of off, off to another topic there. And, uh, at, at the same place, Clarkson. Yeah. And so you grew, so that was Whiteface, right? That would be like your home little resort there. Yeah, we, we, um, we were close to Whiteface, but we all uh, we all drove to J Peak every weekend because it's so much more fun. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, Whiteface is amazing when it's good. Oh, I love Whiteface. Yeah. And when it's bad, it's awful. Yeah. There's no like, there's nowhere to hide. If it's bad, yeah, there's it's nowhere bad. to hide. It's so exposed. If it's bad, yeah. it's bad. Spring skiing though, I love spring skiing at Whiteface, especially when the tops open. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's like West Coast skiing when it's spring. Yeah. It feels like what it's exposed, it's open. Ideally it's sunny. But Whiteface is definitely a gem. Like the people that know it know it and they're always like when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's awful. And I think that's I don't know, total like East Coast mentality. Yeah, for sure. Did you ever work in the bike industry as an engineer? No, never worked in the bike industry as an engineer, just a bike mechanic, bike mechanic, bike racer. Was there a plan to be a pro biker? Do you consider yourself an athlete? Do you consider yourself a pro cyclist now? Um, no, I mean, not in the, not certainly not in the traditional sense. I guess I do kind of make a little money by riding my bike. And I guess that's the definition of professional. Someone who gets paid to do what they do, but, uh, it's not certainly not my main, my main source of income. Um, but, uh, yeah, I used to love racing, especially I used to race dual slalom. Uh, that was my main thing. A little bit of, a little bit of downhill racing, but 
mostly slalom and four cross and went to, went to like collegiate nationals for that. And that was, that was great. But, uh, I was always, uh, too, too anxious to be, a to be, a, a racer. Um, I got two in my head and, uh, started like not enjoying the sport as much as I should. Do you still race now? Just, just for fun. Once in a yeah. while. Yeah. If a local, good local race comes up. Um, I'll, I'll hop in. Yeah. But that being said, I, uh, the, the ECCC collegiate cycling, uh, is an amazing way to spend your time. Uh, anybody who is in, in university and, uh, wants to, you know, travel on the weekends and ride their bike and do it, do it, um, basically for free and meet lots of cool people. The, uh, the collegiate cycling is an amazing place to be. Is there support for that through the college? Like, are there sponsorship programs? So I think it's something important to talk about because we think, especially in this world, like if you're going to college, like when I went to college, I didn't think I could like get even a small scholarship to go skiing or go mountain biking or, you know, you think of like the basic, you know, not basic, but football, basketball, baseball, you don't think about biathlon. Like you don't think about that as like a, a supported yeah. college, collegiate sport. So was there some type of support there for you guys? Um, yeah. So the, the way it worked for, for us, um, being a smaller school, we were, um, we were a club sport, but, um, our, our school was quite generous with, um, supporting us in terms of, um, gas reimbursement for races, you know, lift, lift tickets, things like that, that would enable us to, you know, participate in, in races every weekend, um, without being a financial burden. Did... Um, now there's, I always get the divisions confused. D1 and D2, I guess D D1 is the big. Yeah. D1 is the top tier. Yeah. So D1 schools, I, 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 as far as, as far as I know, offer like sports scholarships for, for cycling, but uh, we were a D2, D2 yeah. school, but that's still, so it's, I mean, even just the support of free lift tickets and that's what we're all hoping for, even in our, in my mid thirties. Like if I can get free lift tickets, I'm winning for anything. <laughs> oh yeah. It was amazing. It was, it was such a crazy opportunity. Yeah. Do they work with any, not to just talk about college sports, but do they work with brands? Do they help you get bicycles? Do they help you get sponsors? I think that would be such a good, neat program for like marketing students at the school to work with teams Totally. To then work with, was there any support for that? And this was, I don't know, I don't want to age you by any means, but this was a couple of years ago. Uh, I graduated in 2016. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're uh, a young buck. Oh, I finished, sorry, I finished, no, no, I finished my master's in 2016. So, right? No, I'm, no, I'm trying to remember, but uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm 31. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so our school um d2 schools typically weren't like that i mean our school we were really lucky to have um a, the guy uh who really was fundamental in starting our our club at the school was um alex mcandrew uh, and a couple other guys who were like two maybe two years ahead of me and um we had uh he was connected with um this place called chuck's uh chuck's bikes in, in morrisville vermont so they would help us out with like good deals on parts and getting us set up with the right gear. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, um, some, some teams I remember having like brand brand spot sponsorships. Yeah. But we were too small for that. Yeah. I just think it's such a neat opportunity for colleges to capitalize on with like 
now that like business and marketing is actually like people go to school to, for marketing, which maybe 10 years ago we didn't or 20 years ago, like marketing's changed. But what a cool opportunity it would be to like work. And this is not a question for you. I'm just talking out loud. But like get a couple of the marketing majors to work with these teams and be like, get these guys support because they're the more you guys are out there, the more you talk about the program, even you being on the podcast, maybe someone's listening, thinking about going to, you know, Potsdam Clarkson and wants to ride a mountain bike. And now knowing yeah, they have sure. a program, that's like what grows this program. And that's, it's just always so fascinating to hear that schools have that. I went to a really small private college uh, called Hilbert in Buffalo, New York. And like, we had seven students in our classrooms. Like it was Whoa. small, like very small. And even the support they offered just for like, ski clubs and like people don't know about it so i love chatting about that because you don't they don't know how to advertise it they don't know how to market it sure big schools do like the asu snow devils is like a giant ski club and it has a ton of support because it's huge but there's every college has these small niche sports and they support them and usually support them in some type of way oh yeah and that that's the cool thing about you know, being at university is it's, it's, it is what you make of it, but with those club sports, like, you know, we just had, we just happened to have, you know, a group of 15 to 20 people who are interested in, in racing. And we went from no team, like the first year I was there to like the last year I was there, we, we hosted a, built a bunch of trails and hosted a race and the whole, the whole league came to Clarkson to, to race bikes, which was amazing. That's so it, it just kind of is what you make of it. Yeah. It's cool. It's a fun, it's a fun little story to hear about that. You grew up cycling like did you grow are your parents cyclists how did you get into i'm super new i rode my bike a lot when i was young right like as a kid you that's your transportation yeah and i took a break and then in college i rode a lot and then i stopped for like 10 years and now i'm back into this world and i am so overwhelmed and so blown away <laughs> and like i bought a hardtail i bought a santa cruz chameleon and I was like, it'll be fine. I wrote it for a month, sold it immediately, put a pre-order down on a uh, Revel Rascal. Like, I'm all in. Like, full carbon nice. wheel set, full carbon <laughs> frame. Like, I'm, because that's the type of person I am. So, excuse my ignorance in the mountain bike world, but did you ever stop, or was this always been a progression thing for you? Um, I was into, so, when I moved up to New York, uh, I, was, I was like eight years old. Like a couple years later, my stepdad bought me. So I was like a little kid. I didn't, wasn't really into bikes. When it, maybe it was like 10, my, my stepdad bought me like a Huffy, uh, rode the crap out of that. And then he got me a, like a track, like fully rigid bike. And then another, a track with front suspension. And then it was just like, from there I was totally hooked, you know, uh, I got into BMX for quite a while and like riding skate parks and stuff, which is really great for like the fundamentals of, uh, of biking, especially trail riding and stuff like that. Get on a BMX bike and go ride a skate park. But, um, yeah, uh, I think, uh, university being, being a college and racing is what really got me hooked on it. And I got more interested in the industry and learning to get faster and just, uh, learning about the tech behind bikes and yeah. Do you have a brand preference now? Mm, not, not particularly. No. I mean, I, I ride, I ride an Ibis right now, uh, Ibis Ripmo aluminum frame, um, just because it's. I think I, I like, um, especially when I'm making videos, 
like it's seen by a lot of people. I like kind of promoting a bike that's accessible, you know, and I think that's a really accessible setup. Like it's a super fun, capable bike. I've done some downhill races on it, you know, I do ride it all day and it's, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty affordable. It's amazing compared to, you know, the last time probably that you were uh, involved, you said 10, you were out of the sport for about 10 years, come back and be able to buy a bike for, you know, three grand that does what that bike can do. It's crazy. It's crazy to me that three grand is cheap for a bike now, True, but True. it is, but it is. And it's once you, even my, my little journey over the last three months of being, of being like, holy cow, $3,000 versus like yeah that's a lot of money but when you start looking into what they are what they do what they're capable of it's nothing close to what we were riding 10 years ago i mean bikes are just fun like they're just purely fun now yeah you know like geometry's gotten so good and they're so capable at so many different things um yeah yeah it's hilarious i mean i was on you know 26 inch wheels i think a three by nine setup that's what I came from. Like I had like hydraulic disc brakes, but that was like a feature. It wasn't like normal. <laughs> yeah. And, and I always tell people too, with the price of bikes, like, yeah, three, okay. Three grand is expensive, but it's, um, you know, it's kind of a, the initial investment in the sport. Uh, you know, you're never, um, the bike never loses all, all its value throughout your time with it. So, you know, two years from now you go to sell it, you're going to get a lot of that back when you go to get your next bike, your next upgrade. But it is a bit of a barrier to entry. Yeah, and it's the, it's the it's the BS answer of like you're investing in yourself, which is <laughs> yes. true though. Like I feel great when I ride my mountain bike. Like my knees aren't taking hits, but they're getting the rotations. Same with my hips, my back. Like that's what I crave. Like I'm not. I'm 35 years old. I'm not like this old, you know. But and I'm in good health and great. But like. 25 year old Adam versus 35 year old Adam feels things differently. It's just how yeah. it is. It's just life. And it's funny with cyclists, you see these like 60 year old guys out there and they just crush you. Like you look at like the KOM or like, <laughs> and you're like, these guys are machines. And I think it's just their ability to suffer that they've learned over the years <laughs> that it doesn't phase them anymore. But it's a, I'm excited to be back into it because it's a it's a lifelong sport. It's just like skiing. Skiing is a lifelong sport. There's 70 year olds, 80 year olds who go ski every day. Sure, the pace changes, the everything changes. That's the dream. But it's like that's so I'm excited to be back into it. Um, and of course, me being me, and you know, being a host of a pod, like I gotta dive in. I can't just like get. I gotta go all in, and then that's my insanity in itself. But that's a whole nother story. So hopefully I get my bike in mid two, three weeks is what I'm hoping for. So I can get a little ride in before it's all over, but we'll see. Oh yeah. Before the snow hits. Yeah. It's That's prime prime right now, man. I love fall riding in the Northeast. It's amazing. Yeah. Fortunately I've got a loner bike. Uh, my buddy had a specialized Enduro that was just collecting dust. So I stole a bike, so I'm good. Uh, but I'm excited to get on my new bike, obviously. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk bike inventions because <laughs> that's all right that's how i view you um you are i'm sure you know unnecessary inventions yeah huge inspiration yeah you sure. are the unnecessary inventions of cycling <laughs> and i don't know if you know do you know him from uh unnecessary oh, inventions 
I mean, I don't, I don't know him personally by any means. No, I mean, I feel, I feel like we all sort of feel like we know him. Well, do but, you remember EC Headwear? It was no, like I don't. East Coast Headwear. It was like a ski headwear brand back in the day, like New Schoolers Day. Oh, okay. Yeah. EC Headwear is what it said. If you Google it, you'll be like, oh, that's him. He's somebody old, else mentioned that to me. He's I didn't an old ski it. industry guy. He lives in Burlington. His studio is in Burlington. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm blowing up his spot, but I would just assume he's in LA. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like an LA guy and he's, you know, that's just the life he lives, but no, he's in Burlington, has a beautiful space in Burlington. Uh, I've tried to get him on the show. We'll see maybe someday, but once I found out he was the EC headwear guy and then he came out with, he was like the first guy to do the paracord on like the iPhone cable. You know, they like laced it in like a rope kind of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was his company. So he did that. And then he made like a 200 foot iPhone charging cable. And that was kind of <laughs> how it like evolved to that. But you've already said it. But that had to be an inspiration for you. That had to like be a light bulb. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like I I, um, I remember I follow following his instagram account like a couple years ago i mean it's just amazing to see how big it's gotten and it's it's a huge insight into um uh kind of the design world and how popular that is the product product design and especially just kind of riffing on you know how he riffs on pop culture and i i thought to myself like yeah i could totally like riff on kind of cycling cycling industry you know ridiculousness um and uh, make some make some goofy products that would get people talking, or just just for fun, or just laughing. Um, sometimes they're kind of un, they're kind of controversial, surprisingly to me. But uh, um, that just defines I, the bike industry more than anything. Yeah, like I never try to trick people or like get people mad about something. But like the last the last video I posted with with the uh the winch on the on the front of your bike like there was a lot of angry commenters like saying you know this is the stupidest product you've ever seen like i can't believe you're wasting people's time with this like you know just kind of the joke goes over their head but um it's at the same time it makes the other half of the audience kind of feel like they're a little bit of an inside joke there and people really enjoy that uh just to be clear so everyone knows he he made a hitch mount with like a three inch hitch that goes onto your handlebars so that when you get stuck on your mountain bike you can pull out the winch cable and tow yourself out and because the internet is the internet people took it seriously and wrote him i don't want to say death threats but like threat we'll just call them threats like they oh i got a few people like one message was like oh you're going to hell for selling people this absurd product (laughs) but you're not taking money from anybody you know, no, these no, products no, aren't sell. available. They're not products aren't available. They aren't. They aren't real. It's no. just a joke. I told the guy I was going to winch myself out of hell. So. Uh, that's a that's a good rebuttal. <laughs> I love you for that. <laughs> so let's go back to your first invention. Do you call them invention? What do you want to call them? Product. Sure, sure product. Yeah. First one. Uh, let's see. Back in March, I guess. Oh yeah, the first one was the. Um, the uh, plant, uh, the garden for your your bike, it goes in a goes in a Garmin mount and uh, has a little uh, spinach growing in a in a in a pot, so you can snack on the go. <laughs> Self refilling uh, uh, snack station. Yeah, the first fully sustainable snack station for a bicycle. Yeah, that's right. 
fully refill self refilling self refilling why <laughs> like are you just sitting is this a product of covid is this a product of like being bored at your at your house or your wife's apartment in toronto when she's in school and you're like losing your mind or what is this a product of uh you mean where do the ideas come from i or... guess originally more than anything yeah that's a good question i don't really know why i um i don't really know why i have these these ideas I, it usually comes from some some silly problem, like you know I'll be out on a long ride and I'll be hungry, and like how do I you know how do I not run out of food next time? Like okay, maybe I can grow my own food while I'm riding. So then, then it becomes yeah, I'm going to make this little miniature garden that mounts on my handlebars and grows food, and while I ride, so I can snack. Um, it's just kind of like letting like letting your imagination run wild, I guess. Um, how quickly? Always, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no! I just always have odd, um, kind of odd thoughts while I'm out. Uh, oh, lost you. It's all right. I can still hear uh, you. I always have sort of odd thoughts while I'm out out riding on the trail, especially if I'm really tired, like it's going up going up a, a long climb or something. I'm just exhausted. I'm just like it's like my brain is in survival mode, trying to think of any way I could make this experience better, <laughs> and it's, it's just like come up with stupid products. How quickly did it go viral? Your first your first one did it like how many not that this matters but how many followers did you have in march of what 2020 that was your first one um yeah march of 20 march of this year march, march of 21 2021 so uh i had i don't know around a thousand followers okay on, on, you're up to on instagram yeah you're up to almost fourteen thousand. Oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, actually, they've been more—they've been consistently more popular on TikTok, um, but uh, it feels like Instagram is where I where I make more kind of make more connections, like with you. Yeah, I'm so far behind on TikTok; it's not even funny. I need to get better on it, but I'm not. Is it the same? It's your same handle, I assume. Yeah, outside Brendan. Yep. Let me look. Did you start on TikTok or? Um, good question. Kind of started both around the same time. I saw I saw TikTok and just um, thought it'd be a good idea to to you know post there. I really didn't know much about video editing or you know ma making making videos at all um, a year ago. Uh, I used to kind of play with it a little bit. I was into like flying FPV and trying to make you know footage look good from that, but. Um, actually like kind of editing and making clips for social media I, I just you know this winter i had some free time and i was like i want to learn how to do this this looks really fun which is really useful surprising because your edits are great like even you like bouncing on this picnic table it's so simple but it's fun and it's well done yeah you know I, you're gonna think i'm crazy but it's all i i edit it all currently i edit all on my phone yeah but if that works like i love that I love you saying that because people think they need all these things, right? Like they think they need a $5,000 camera and all of this stuff to be an influencer or to be, to make a good edit or, but like, Oh yeah. You don't. Yeah. I mean, when people, you know, gear, the gear really doesn't matter. 
you don't realize that until after you have the gear and you realize it doesn't matter, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. it truly, it truly does not matter. If you got a good iPhone, uh, well, I, I, of course, whatever Android is Android's fine too. I don't have any experience with Android, but a good, a good iPhone in my experience with, uh, like InShot or something to edit on, you can do everything you need to do for success on social media. Uh, I don't know why I can't get my video back to you. Oh, here we go. I know. I miss your face. There, there it is. There we go. There it is. I'm back. No, it's fu- like I photograph weddings for a living. That's where I make the bulk of my income. Really? Yeah. And like I've done it for 15 years. It's what like it's part of my I've always been involved in the ski industry and I've built vehicles and vans and school buses to live out of. And that's kind of where I like came from. But like the thing funding that was always the weddings and people like, oh, what do you use? And I'm like, dude, I use my iPhone, like not for weddings. You know, obviously you have to have a tool for the job. But when we go skiing or anything else, it's like these things are amazing and they're in your pocket. Oh, yeah. All the time, especially now what they're coming out with. It's like people go on vacation like, oh, I want to buy this for this. I'm like, why? Use your phone. You have it. You don't need a special yeah. backpack for it. You don't need to care if you drop it. Like <laughs> you-, you can you can go and shoot. Like yesterday, I went out and shot a video in the rain. I would never do that with my, my no DSLR. Not going to happen. No, it's not. But, uh, yeah, but it's fun that you say that. Um, so your TikTok. Did you have any following prior? I just like to talk about how people like. You're a come up story, right? Like you came from you <laughs> well, came from nothing I- and zero followers <laughs> in March of twenty one. And now you well, have... I started TikTok in um, the beginning of 2021, like January. I started it. Um, I was just posting videos. I was out on the ice a lot, skating on the ice, and I made like a a sail for ice skating with, and a couple of little ice inventions, and that kind of really took off. I'm like, oh, sweet! Maybe I'll put some more effort into this. That's when I decided, you know, I want to learn how to kind of do an, do some proper do some proper editing, make things that are a little more catchy, you know, do some sound design add some music. Um, yeah, I kind of just went from there. And I guess the ultimate motivation for me is like, since I'm a freelance engineer and product designer, um, I have some products of my own that I would like, like real products that I want to design and sell, um, things that I think would be useful for people. And, uh, marketing is to me, not being a business guy, marketing is the hardest part. So kind of using silly products that get people talking to help build that audience um, is, uh, is the motivation for me. Do you think it takes away from like your actual product design or do you think it'll only help grow it? Um, as far as like my design process or my credibility as a designer, credibility as a designer, <laughs> I suppose it could take away from my credibility <laughs> as a designer. No, um, I'm not taking that away from you. I'm just asking how you, you know, like there is that thought of like when you launch actual products, you might have to put a disclaimer like this is an actual product <laughs> or, totally. will, or will people know? Uh, yeah, no, it, it'll be the, it's yeah, certainly important to present it in a way that people know that it's serious. I mean, it, it'll be a totally different, um, sort of, uh, you know, it'll, it, it's not going to be the same kind of real, like the 15 second reels that I've been doing, um, for my ridiculous products, but, uh, it'll be, you know, something that I would link to through a, through a story or, you know, have a, like have a Kickstarter campaign for. How, I don't, 
how much can you talk about them? How soon are you to coming to market with these products? <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. You okay. Um, I don't have any real timeline at the moment. Uh, we're moving around a lot. My wife just got a job in, um, my wife just got a job in LA. So, um, we don't, we don't know what's going on in life at the moment. We're going to be mo- moving out to California at some point for a little bit. So, um, yeah, one, one of the things I was um, working on with a friend of mine is, um, some, a, a different designed, um, flat pedal for mountain bikes. That's, uh, 3d printed out of titanium. Um, I think we can, you know, there's other people doing 3D printed titanium pedals. Um, it's a, but, uh, and others, all, all sorts of parts. But we think we can make a nice light pedal that's durable and keep the price point really low. How hard is it to 3D print titanium? Is it? Um, now the technology is there, so it can be done. It's uh, becoming more and more commonplace. It's a diff- it's got to be a different 3D printer than like the Ender that I'm thinking of, right? Like it's gotta- Oh yeah. So the the Ender um is is you know uses your your filament that goes through a, a hot nozzle. It's basically like a glorified hot glue gun. That's like your typical desktop 3D printer. Um and I I don't know if you've seen of what a resin printer looks like. I'm where you have semi familiar with them. Yeah, the part gets pulled out of a vat of resin. Um, uses lithography to, um, the 3d metal 3d printing process, uh, used for titanium is more similar to that. We have, um, a big, uh, big reservoir full of powder and, uh, you're going layer by layer by layer, hardening the powder together. And then kind of the rest of it kind of falls away from the part. This isn't like a desktop thing. This is not a desktop (laughs) thing. These things take up like a whole room. The fumes have to be insane. Uh, I would imagine it's pretty well, uh, pretty well ventilated in an enclosed, uh, in an <laughs> well, enclosed right. printer as well. What they're putting off. Um, do you think that's the future in bike parts? Everything. Like, are, when are we three D printing frames, or are we already well, doing Ather- that? Atherton Bikes is already doing that. Um, it's a it's a great way to deal with titanium because it's a metal that's hard to machine. It also allows you to. Um, create different shapes and structures that you can't make through traditional machining without, a, without a lot of waste. So, you know, with the three, with a metal 3d printing process, you're only using the material that gets turned into a part and the rest of it can be used for the next part. Yeah. It's um, not even recycled. Cause it just hasn't, it just wasn't wasted. Correct. Just wasn't wasted in yeah. the first place. Yeah. Do you think more bike, like, is that, in your opinion, is that the future of the bike industry? 3D printed parts. Mm, it's a good. It's a good question. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know if I really know the answer to that. I think more and more. I think more and more of every industry is moving towards 3D printing and away from traditional machining in a lot of areas. There's just a lot of areas where it's it's a lot easier, cheaper, less wasteful. Um, the thing I like about it in particular is the how it makes um, makes product design kind of more accessible. You know, someone like me can say, I want to, you know, launch a line of pedals. Um, I can, I can, you know, do that design work at home and, and send, send off to get a, a small batch of um, pedals printed, do my own quality control. You know, it, it's a lot different than, you know, for someone, for someone nowadays who wants to like 
uh, have a little little frame building shop or something like that. They can get dropouts uh, 3D printed. Um, just makes the whole process a lot less expensive, a lot less intimidating. And I think just the ability to fail at a lower cost is totally. extremely important for innovation. If that makes totally. does that if that makes sense, like I can hypothetically, if I had any skill set, I could draw something up and have my buddy print it at a super small scale on his ender and be like, oh, this in theory would work and could be scalable. And then you obviously, you know, send it out to, but like you could have printed your, your pedals and maybe you did, but like on your 3d printer at home, seen what they look like and then send it like adapt and then send it out. Is that how this process Certainly. works? Like, Certainly. Yeah. I mean, I have a, a printer on my, on my desk and I can, you know, in, in three hours I can have a, uh, a pedal sitting there waiting to stick on an axle and go for a ride with it and see how it feels. Yeah. And Maggie, um, she works at Burton. She's an engineer. And she said like from her computer, she can send it and they have like a binding prototype right then and there. Yeah. And there's something to be said for touch, right? Like even as a consumer, more specifically as a consumer, you like touch something and you're like, this is, this is how I want. And as a product designer, this is how I want this to feel. Oh yeah, absolutely. You have a quote that says, never let a good idea get in the way of a bad one. <laughs> is that your quote? Is this your thought? Um, you know, as it's like one of those things where I, I think it is, but you know, nothing's really an original idea. I'm sure I heard it somewhere, but I couldn't tell you where. I don't know. I think you're the king of original ideas from canned air to a crock winch to egg holder to bike garden. I think you make a garden t-shirt. I did make a crop top. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, I did not know that was the name of it. That, um, I that hate one wasn't that so popular. much. That one wasn't <laughs> what? I'm sorry. It wasn't particularly popular. <laughs> I think if you would have got the name out, if more people knew the name of the crop top, knowing that it's a shirt full of crops, I think it would have crushed. Yeah, I think, um, you know, on, on Instagram, at least my audience is uh, probably like 75% male audience and they don't want to see me walking around in a belly shirt. So I'm pretty sure they just scrolled right past that video. <laughs> what do you think your dumbest invention is so far? Oh, man. I mean, the audience the audience would definitely choose the the bike winch for that, uh, for that one. Um, you know, I have to look. I mean, I have to kind of look back. But uh, but what do you think is the dumbest? Because I think maybe your audience thinks the winch is the dumbest one. But to me, that's your best one because that's arguably gotten you the most flack or most <laughs> hate or most. But hate is good. Like we put out memes on Fridays and our engagement is insane because people <laughs> love that. And like and we joke that like the memes drive the guests because we want the more active our channel is the more we can shine light on you, right? Like that's the whole goal of this is to like promote people and what they're doing and their stories. So the winch, although maybe it's the dumbest quote unquote is arguably the best because hopefully that'll drive the machine, which is titanium printed pedals in the future. 
Um, I think the dumbest invention, just because the premise of it is just so stupid, is the the double-ended toothbrush. So, you know, how I, a lot of times I find myself in the shop, I have an old toothbrush to, you know, clean clean off different parts of my bike, clean off the chain or whatever. Um, and so the premise of the video is that, you know, it's great using a toothbrush in the shop, but then you have to clean your toothbrush before you use it for your teeth. So I made the double-ended toothbrush. So you have one end for your for your shop and the other end for brushing your teeth. It was really dumb. But yeah, that's probably my it's probably like the stupidest one for sure. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking at it now and just laughing. Um Yeah, you've got a lot on here. What's your obsession with Crocs? Because I have a Croc obsession as well. So Oh, so the croc obsession, that was kind of, that was kind of accidental. So I, uh, in, you know, in May I had come back from, I had returned to Canada from, from the U S so I had two weeks of quarantine, so I couldn't, couldn't ride my bike. And so I decided I'm going to make, you know, make a series of croc videos. Um, and they just got progressively more ridiculous. I started with the led light bar, uh, gibbet. And then, yeah, we added the winch. And then by the end of it, it had, uh, it had wheels on it. It was RC. It was crawling around my yard, but it was, it, that was a product of two weeks of severe boredom, Did, uh, being, being quarantined. Do any of these brands ever reach out to you? Uh, you know, the, uh, Gar Garmin did. They loved the, they loved the plan holder. And, uh, I've actually been chat chatting with them a little bit. They're, they're great over there. Garmin cycling. Um, Crocs uh, did not really care for my Croc inventions. They have a, they have a kind of a history of not not liking you know after uh, aftermarket uh, products for Crocs. Um, one of their one of their interns reached out to me, uh, and was was uh, was like, oh maybe we can like you know do some project together. And, and they were company was basically like, no way. I don't know if you if you remembered, but um, unnecessary inventions. Uh, Matt Matty Benedetto, he he got a cease and desist from from Crocs. Yeah, for the gloves, right? For the, for the gloves, and so, so you know they 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 handle things in a certain way. That's their that's their, you know that's their yeah. Go -to God, God forbid we make Crocs unpure. Like they put, <laughs> like we can do a they can do a collab with KFC and put like big chicken piece of chicken on it but like if you make a functional crock then people are mad about it yeah i mean i, I kind of get it you know you like you know how many crock copies are out there they gotta they gotta protect their brand a little bit for sure but it's i mean yours is clearly <laughs> not it's clearly satire i guess um do you see that in your future working with brands i mean that's got to be the end game right some way like working with brands to create ridiculous things to help promote both brands i mean yeah it'd be fun i to be honest i didn't i i truly did not have like an end game with this uh with social media stuff um it's just just a fun side project good way to connect with people i made a lot of I made a lot of friends this way um if it ends up you know if i end up working with brands that'd be that'd be fun too but it's got to be um you know i don't want to um i don't want to promote anything that's not uh you know kind of true or yeah kind of like you it, how do i say it um 
I don't want to promote anything just for the sake of promoting or just for just for making money. Uh, you don't want to like, sell out. <laughs> you don't want to be a sellout. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think of. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's. I don't really like that term because I, you know, I, I see other people doing it. And I don't think of them as as sellouts. Like, I there, there's ways to do it without selling out, you know, um, while still being true to yourself. And that's that's kind of what I what I feel like it's important to maintain that. What do you think your best invention is so far, out of your satire inventions, <laughs> out of your joke inventions? Which one do you think is the most usable? Or are there any that you actually use on the like on the daily? Actually, so I made that the the snack the snack smuggler, which was a you know compartment in your in your steer tube to put snacks, and I actually did use that a little bit. It was it was kind of it was kind of useful. You could put a little tool in there, it would rattle around a little bit, but uh, a few uh, like energy chews. You could put like a whole tube of energy chews in there. It was perfect. That's huge. That helps. Do you ever think about sharing the files? Oh yeah, a lot of people reach out to me and I share the files all the time. People DM me on Instagram, and I send them send them the file. Oh, I mean, I I don't have a rebuttal for that. I thought you were going to say no. <laughs> oh, oh, why did you why did you think I would say no? I don't know. I just figured in this world people just don't like sharing things. So it's a good it's good to hear that you're just like, yeah, if you want the file just reach out. Yeah, there was a there was a guy in in uh, in Vancouver who reached out to me right after the uh, right after I made the um, what did I even call that the plant one? I'm trying to think of the name of it now. Um, oh, the endless nutrition system. That's what I called it. So right after I made the endless nutrition system, he reached out to me for the for the file for that, and I sent it. And he's made it for a bunch of his buddies now. They're all like fixie riders, road riders in Vancouver, riding around with little plants on their Garmin mounts now. So I, I love that. Yeah, I think it's just, I honestly think it's what cycling needs. And this is, again, me coming from like not cycling for a long time and getting back into it. And I'm part of the problem as I bought a bike, sold the bike and bought not even, my buddy said, you didn't even buy the dentist bike. You bought like the 16 year old who got rich on Dogecoin bike. Like you went <laughs> and that's me and I'm fine with that. Uh, not the rich part, just the going. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a fun bike. It supports it supports the industry. It supports the engineers and designers. It's U.S. made. The that. wheels are U.S. made. Uh, yeah. The owner is fantastic. Uh, we've been in touch. We've talked a lot. Uh, they're actually supporting this episode, so we talk about them a little bit in the beginning of this episode. But they're, I think that's important, and I will pay a little more premium personally to get a U.S. made manufactured engineered bike so that was my thought on it so whatever i'm part of the problem that's great but cycling's intimidating is what i'm trying to get at and it's really scary and you saying i ride this ibis because ibis right is that what you're on it's an ibis yeah aluminum frame ripmo yeah because it's accessible and here you are someone whether you know it or not that people look up to riding a totally obtainable bike doing things that I can't do on a bike by any means and also making not a mockery of it, but like having fun again. I think that's lost. I think it's lost in skiing. I think it's lost in almost everything that we do to this point of like, you have to have these $900 boots or you have to have 
even ski poles can be $200. Like you don't need any of that. You don't even need poles. You don't need. So it's fun to see you and sharing the ideas of like, oh, my buddy or somebody in Vancouver is printing all these plant things for these fixie guys who are clearly intimidating. I don't even know if they mean to be, but like when you see a fixie <laughs> gang going through, you're like, whoa, these guys know how to ride a bike. And really, they just want everyone else to go ride a bike most of the time. So oh it's, yeah, it's, absolutely. I think I think it can be very intimidating, especially for, um, yeah, especially for younger folks who don't have uh, really their own source of income to get gear. Uh, it can be super intimidating to get into the sport or to see people kind of hyping up all all the the, you know, the latest and greatest uh, tech in the industry. And you know that stuff's great. Um, it's it's all it's all a lot of fun. Um, but it's not the, you know, it's not the be all end all for, for riding bikes. The, the most important thing is just to get out, to get out and ride anything, whatever you got. Um, I, I know personally, I got really burnt out when I was, when I was racing a lot. Um, and kind of when I was riding bikes for more for fitness and training and I just lost, I just didn't see the fun in it anymore. So, um, this was my approach to having, to having fun again on the bike. Um, and this, you know, making these videos gets me out for a ride just to have fun. Um, and maybe, maybe I wouldn't find time for it. Otherwise, maybe I'd be too busy to go for a bike ride, but I, I want to post a video. So I'm going to go out and, and shoot some footage and get on my bike and get on the trails. How far out on, are you on inventions? Like, are you lined up for the next six weeks or do you just make them up that day and go for it? Um, yeah, I have, I have a list of probably... 200 250 maybe it just it keeps getting longer people you know people uh message me with amazing ideas like the com people in the comments always have are always funnier than me you know and people who message me always have way better ideas than i do um so crowd crowdsourced ideas is is great so i try to i keep track of those you know i i, I you know i'll, I'll write that idea down and the person's handle and then i'll tag them when i when i post like the one i posted yesterday was a buddy of mine who sent me the idea um, and then I just kind of like, I'll just wake up in the morning and have, have another idea and add it to the list. So it kind of, I can't even catch up with it, to be honest. It's more about finding the time to, to make the videos lately. Do you think this will become a full-time gig or do you want it to become a full-time gig? Yeah, you know, it would, it would be fun. It would be fun if it did. I think I, I'm, I'm working on, um, doing some longer uh, some longer videos now, um, moving, moving to, uh, moving to YouTube with some longer form content. Um, I think that's really, I I think that's really the place to be. I like YouTube because I like, I like the longer attention spans. I think it's much, it's a, it's a less kind of toxic place. Uh, can be. Yeah, can be. Instagram kind of lends itself to being a little more toxic sometimes. Um, I, I just I like the longer attention spans of YouTube, and I'd like to actually, you know, use uh, this product as, uh, to share this product design process in a more useful way, so people can actually learn design and engineering from me. Because there's a lot of it that goes into, you know, anytime I hop on and I'm going to design something that I'm going to 3D print, there's you know all sorts of design fundamentals that I that I use um, for that process, and uh, it'd, be, it'd be great to share that and, and teach people that process. So I would like to, I would like to make a living doing that. Um, 
just kind of, you know, posting silly, silly videos, it feels a little bit soulless sometimes. Um, <laughs> like I, I kind of feel like I need to, to do things that I'm, I need to share stuff that isn't necessarily wasting people's time uh, once in a while to, to kind of like feel, feel, feel okay with, you know, I don't know. I, like I look at the watch time on some of the, some of the TikTok videos and it's like weeks of people watching a video that really just kind of wasted, wasted 15 seconds of their time. Um, and I sort of feel bad. <laughs> yeah. And I get that uh, take for sure, but you're also providing a service in a way, right? Like it's no different than if I watch, I don't know, a Dave Chappelle special, like he wasted an hour of my time, but I also got to like shut off for an hour and like laugh and just like enjoy something so stupid or funny or just shining light on something we do every day. So like, yes, I just compared you to Dave Chappelle. So congratulations. But two, <laughs> uh, you're doing a service like what you might not look at yourself as a comedian, but you're a comedian. That's what you're doing. And if you provide 20 seconds out of someone's day that they just like look at that screen while they're in the stall at their shitty job, like, and I mean, bathroom stall, cause that's when everyone TikToks. I don't mean their office, <laughs> totally. um, but if you provided them with 20 seconds of enjoyment, then you are providing a service. So I know maybe you do battle with that internally, but like, it's a service. You're a comedian. You're putting a lot of your time into it. So the fact that people are reciprocating by giving you giving you their 20 seconds, I think it's just a trade-off. And I think that's just something, again, I'm speaking in my opinion, that you need to, for lack of a better term, get over <laughs> and accept because it's good. Because think of how much time you put in to make that 15 second video. It's not easy. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. That's an interesting take. I guess, um, I always felt that I should, uh, transition more to doing, to educating rather than just entertaining. And that's, that's kind of the pull I felt towards doing some longer form content on YouTube and not necessarily just focusing on the, on the short videos, but yeah, entertainment's important. That's right. I think the short form helps drive the long form to yeah. me personally. Um, I'm not telling you how to do anything or that you're right or wrong. My thing is like, you need those 15 second feel good. So people care about you and then they'll watch the 12 minute, 15 minute long form of, and then hopefully they'll be like, Holy, Holy cow, I can do this. And then they start growing and that's the end game, right? Like you like, it's educational. It's, but I still think that short form drives the long form because you got to get people to care. You got to trick people into, into caring. There's the world's greatest comedian out there right now that no one knows his name or her name because no one cares yet. So that, that 15 second viral video tricks people into caring about what you actually care about. So it drives the beast. It drives. You know, and it take. I mean, yeah. I, I want to take a, I, how long you could just go for a bike ride today. Hypothetically today, you could just go for a bike ride instead. Hypothetically, you're going to go for a bike ride. You're going to bring your camera. You're going to bring something ridiculous <laughs> that you made. You're going to stop your bike ride film. 
you're going to go home where you could be hanging with your wife and just relaxing. You're going to now edit that video. Like that's time you're sacrificing for my 15 seconds of entertainment. So there is sec- yeah, true. I don't, I don't like relaxing, but, but true. But you know what I mean? You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying? I, know what you mean. Yeah. I like, totally get it. You're not just throwing it together. Like it's a curated thought out video. Like you're, the inventor you're the director you're the actor you're like you are the product tester those are all things that consume your time totally yeah i think i think the the only other thing i feel a little conflicted about with these videos is just 3d printing stuff and i try to be you know i have a couple highlights about how i use plastic and how i you know reuse reuse filament and stuff like that i I think it's um it's definitely a problem uh, in a, as 3d printing gets bigger, there's a lot of waste. There's a lot of plastic waste. Um, and so I try to be very clear about, um, how much, you know, how much plastic I use and how to reuse your filament, uh, so you can print it again, um, and things like that. But at the same time, you know, uh, I am encouraging people to go make things out of plastic. So, uh, I feel a little bit of guilt there. I think the fact that you even acknowledge it is a testament to who you are because most people wouldn't even shine light on it. And you do have a highlight that talks about it and that's, you know, it's the nature of the beast. So the fact that you even acknowledge that plastic use is a problem and you're technically part of the problem. And here's a way to a solution for that problem on recycling and reusing filament. I mean, I, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, it's, True. it's a nature of the beast and you drink out of less plastic water bottles to make up for it. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my wife works with, um, her, her whole job is, uh, working on plastic pollution. So, uh, we, uh, we talk about this a lot, <laughs> but that's good. And I think, again, it could be, you know, that could be one of your useless inventions down the road too. As you, as you scale, it comes to something so stupid just to like pick a plastic water bottle out of the ocean. Like you see one floating, like you don't want to use your hand to you use a grabber or like something so stupid totally. and like, but you just shine light on it in your, in a way that people care. And that's, yeah. And I've been trying to get people, I'm trying to get into some new mediums as well, like a uh, more, more, more metal working. So a couple of the inventions have been, you know, things that I've welded or made out of metal like the watermelon holder and more kind of upcycling as well. The crop top was an upcycled uh, invention, although not very popular, but uh, I have a couple coming up that are mostly upcycled. And I think that's a, a great part of the design world is, uh, and becoming ever more popular is upcycling. Yeah, and I think we are finally, we as like a society in general are finally like kind of catching up to that. Corporations aren't necessarily, but like people are. We're throwing out less. We're reusing more. We're presumably using less. Some, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm completely wrong, but like, you know, we fill our water bottles every day versus like opening a plastic bottle and throwing it out. We're, we're at least conscious of it where 12 years ago we weren't. Yeah, conscious of it, and and yeah, I think there's more there's more and more science showing just the depth of the plastic problem and how it's affecting us, <clears throat> our health and our our lives on an everyday basis. Yeah, and it's not going to change. It's not going to change overnight by any means. 
Uh, you should check out Adam Kingman. I don't know if you know who he is. He just won. No, I'm going to write that down. Um, he just, well, spoiler alert, everybody, but it's been out for a while. Uh, Making It on NBC with uh, Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler. Okay. Uh, he just won that. But all of his, I don't know if you've seen the show, but they're like makers. They like make stuff. They have to make a lamp or they have to make a rug. or. But all of his stuff was upcycled. And that was his whole story the whole time. And the stuff he made was unreal. Like he used, you know, for the lamp, he used climbing rope or, you know, like he just had purpose for everything where, you know, climbing rope has a, has a shelf life. So you use the climbing rope to save you ideally as your support system. And then what do you do with it? So he just had a really good, really cool way of his, his, how his brain works and how he, you know, preaches what he you know, or reaps what he sows. I don't know how the way, but like he, he talks about sustainability and then everything he created on that show was repurposed basically when a lot of the other makers and we're not like, it is what it is. It's the nature of the show, but like styrofoam is used for a lot of that stuff. Yeah. You know, that's how you make a fireplace quickly. You do it out of styrofoam and you shave it and you paint it. And then what happens to it? So his whole goal the whole time was just to shed light on there's other ways to do things. And I think it's it's fun to watch because we most of us have that junk laying around, quote unquote. So totally. It's amazing. Like even in an urban environment, I mean, I've been doing a lot of uh, I've been making a, making a lot of furniture. The company I work with um, goes and gets trees that are cut down by the city of toronto for like various purposes whatever development or you know managed for a certain disease or something like that and these are like crazy trees like 100 year old white oaks that are you know six feet wide and um we go drag them out of like the city the city dumping yard and bring them back and they turn turn into like these amazing tables and you just you know you wouldn't think in a concrete jungle that there's this much kind of like of a natural resource right there but we kind of take take that for granted what's right around us and it's one of those things that like the city's cutting it down and they don't know how to get rid of it so they just throw it out or burn it or they were going to the chipper right so it's it's takes brands like whoever you're freelancing for to say we want we will take these and now it's a it's a great marketing pitch too like oh these this tree was up in whatever park echo park or you know like and now it's it has a story and people like stories and you know it's the whole so i think there's only winning that comes from out of you know upcycling or it's just getting it's a little more work and i think we all know that and we live in such a quick world that it's just too easy to like go buy something brand new that you're going to use twice or it's going to live in your apartment oh, yeah. until you move and then it's gone. And people are moving away from the disposable lifestyle and that's great. Slowly, yeah. slowly, but I think it's at least for shining light on it. Um Is there anything else you want to talk about? I think we covered a lot. Um canned air. I just want to say you made it. You just <laughs> took a beer can and wrote canned air on it and for your bike for your bicycle, which is like my favorite invention of yours. Uh, <laughs> where can people follow you? Where are you most active? 
Thanks. Yeah, I'm um, I'm outside Brendan everywhere. Um, Instagram, TikTok, and and now YouTube. I've just on YouTube. My channel is just a few short videos, uh, kind of just building that up, uh, learning the platform. I'm gonna be putting out some longer form content uh, pretty soon. But yeah, outside Brendan. Perfect. B r e n d a n, right? Yeah, B r e n d a n. Thanks so much for chatting today. I, I uh, yeah, never dude. Been thanks on a podcast for... before. I had no idea what to expect. So that was outside Brendan. Let me know what you guys think. Slide into our DMs. Follow at Outside Brendan. Do it for you. Don't do it for me. Because following him is just a delight. What he comes up with next. Uh, there's rumors that we're going to do a little collab. Uh, the Pursuit and Outside Brendan. So we're working on something there. So stay tuned for that. Leave a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at Out of Podcast. Follow at Mr. Adam X. I think that's all we got to say today. So, as always, I am at Mr. Adam X, and I'll see you tomorrow.